Debo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Every gets over the line. Try from Munster. Nobody knows Munster rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 53 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. With me as always is Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? You had a busy weekend. Good win on Saturday. Are you pleased? Good, Quinny, yeah. Great. Yeah, I was, to be fair. I was very pleased with the first half. Um, so you won 30, 33-0 against Ulster. Yeah, very pleased, yeah, in the first half. To be fair, we lost momentum. We lost our way a bit in the second half. Our discipline was poor, but we finished with a score, so I know it's in us, so I was delighted with that. So, um, yeah, look, it's uh, it was a great start for us, a great first week, and most great park is class. I know, sell out Friday night, that weather for the men's game, and then... We had a really big crowd there um, standing on, on, on Saturday, so it was brilliant. Yeah, lots of things to work on this week, though. We had a review and stuff last night. And, um, yeah, I think it's just about trying to educate girls and they're trying to do it in a in a manner that's really not too much information because, as it's, you know, this, this Interprose is a sprint. It's literally just for three weeks and we only basically had two weeks kind of to prepare for it, so... But I was frustrated after the game. My frustration lingered on Sunday and Monday. Um, but uh, it's put to bed now and we'll start preparing, preparing for this weekend. Have you many new girls in, in the squad and playing at the weekend? Yeah, we had six new caps. It was great. We had um, a couple of forwards, uh, um, Gina Bean, and then we had Gavin Coombe's sister, Gillian, come in second row. One monstrous tackle, so definitely in the family. Um, we had a really young winger, Heather Kennedy, who's going to be a superstar um, in the future, um, very raw. So, yeah, we look, we, we had six new caps. It was brilliant. I was delighted for them. A really good prop, Menis, only 18 and a half, 19 years of age, really good player. Um, so, we're getting there. We're getting there for sure. And you play again next Saturday against Leinster? Yeah, yeah it's a, yeah, in Musgrave Park at 12 o'clock. And before anybody um, jumps to stand and throat that there's two big games for Munster on on Saturday, we did explore a possibility of a double header in Towan Park. Um, Munster did approach us with that, um, but it just didn't work out for TV reasons. And you know it as well as I do that when you're you're kind of at the TV gods when things are being um, uh, recorded live. So at twelve o'clock in Cork, um, I hope those that can't make it to Limerick will come out and support us because irrelevant as the result to cracking teams having to crack off each other is 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 going to be good. Yeah, the TV, I think for people who don't understand that, it's two different um, TV stations and different production crews and all that kind of stuff. So you would you would think... They dictate, though. They dictate. Yeah, so yeah. You would we did offer a... You would think that it, it could be workable and they'd all use the same equipment, but it's different production companies. So anyway, well done. Good start. Uh, tough one on Saturday in Cork. And anyone listening who's not going to Limerick, Try and get out and support uh, the Munster women's team against a very strong Leinster side on Saturday at 12 o'clock. Okay, Munster at the weekend, Friday night, terrible conditions. Um, they won 33-3 against the Lions, scored five tries, horrendous conditions. Um, but it was a very, I, I would think always these type of games are, are potential banana skins, given the, the high of, of winning in Belfast the week before. That's the challenge when you're kind of developing as a group. Um, they were under a lot of pressure early on. The physicality, the size of the lines, which was no surprise. They would have known that. Munster kind of down to the bare bones again, particularly in the second row position. Kieran McDonald uh, got injured the week before. He's out for a period of time now. We know about um, 
uh, Finian Witcherly, R.G. Snyman, um, a dog ball, Thomas Ahern. Um, there's a lot of um, that's an area of concern and a challenge from Gavin Coombs had to play in the second round. So overall, very positive result. I think um, we'll talk about the positives and negatives in a minute ago. But I put a tweet out yesterday, and the fans were uh, the Munster fans are, are, are you know probably pinching themselves two good weeks on the trot. Um, overall, though, I think it's been a a good a good period since the you know, end of the November internationals with the I suppose Connacht. Edinburgh, uh, what other results are there? Connacht, Edinburgh, uh, Toulouse was disappointing, obviously, Northampton, the Leinster one disappointing, good win in Ulster, and now the Lions. So I think four from six, the last six, they've won. Um, yeah. So it's been I a positive was, couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, there was moments in that game the other day that I thought... Munster would not have got a winning bonus point against the Lions three ten weeks ago, genuinely. Yeah, but that, that's, I, I but agree with you. I think it's getting better all the time, and to have the courage and the ability to go and play and try and move the ball in that weather was was really good. And um, so, just in relation to your tweet, you're talking about them moving up the the table and and the performance against the Lions and also what's to expect against Northampton. Well, they've gone weekend. from not, not nine to seven, so that's progress. Yeah, brilliant. They've moved yeah, up no, the table. Brilliant. Is it the top eight, Quinny, that goes to the it's top eight? Yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. The, the top eight go to the knockout stages, but yeah. Europe is a little bit trickier because they're they're all there's four pools as well: an Irish pool, uh, a Scottish Italian <laughs> pool, a Welsh pool, and a South African pool. Um, the top of each of those groups automatically qualify for Europe. So essentially then you're, 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 you're scrambling. So if, for example, if Glasgow top their pool, which they're, they're, they look pretty strong and look like they will do now, and they didn't make the top eight, they get a slot in Europe as well. So sometimes you might, you might, Munster might have to finish seventh, sixth or seventh to be in Europe. Okay. So that complicates it a little bit. We won't overcomplicate yeah. it. Yeah, no, actually but, wasn't aware of that. That's... But the top eight make the playoffs. But I think, and I've said this from the start, and I, I think most Munster fans agree, um, getting into Europe and qualifying for Europe is really imperative. Um, obviously, if you do that, you're going to be in the playoffs and then they have a chance and they could be in the mix given if they got some of the injured players back and the way they're progressing, I think fitness wise, they look so much more like a team that can play with tempo. Um, they're reacting, they're attacking, they're finishing games strong. They're still deficient in certain areas. So we're, we're going to, I'm going to keep saying that we, we, nobody is getting carried away here thinking, but what I think they're getting the best out of the group they have at the moment, which is encouraging. And the fans are enjoying it. And the last two weeks have been pretty positive. Yeah, hundred percent. Jared Hawk was talking about the scrum being under pressure, but a great win shows a bit of confidence. Um, shows that a bit of confidence helps. Will be interesting weekend to see how the Northampton if if Northampton send a full team. Just on the scrum, uh, Nave, we might might just quickly address that. Yeah, because there's a lot of people talking about the scrum. Exactly, the scrum is going to come up a lot, and I think it's very difficult. And and that that is an area that Munster needs strengthening. We'll talk a little bit about the end. Malcolm Marks has been linked with Munster. It'd be a very good signing, incredibly strong scrummager. Um, and I think sometimes there's a perception that if you've two good props, your scrum is great. You you need right across the balance and a strong scrummaging hooker can make a real difference to, uh, I won't say weaker, but less experienced 
props as well. So a good hooker can make a difference. So if you brought in Malcolm Marks, yes, he would make a difference in the scrum. We don't know how true that is. It's it's only speculation at the moment. But the scrum is a problem that's not there's no quick fix solution here because you can't just go out and sign two world class tight heads. Kitsoff is off to uh Ulster, he would have been a great signing. Um you're a bit little bit restricted by financial uh constraints and also you know trying to bring younger players through like Josh Witcherly and Roman Salanoa, Keenan Knox, these guys. John Ryan going obviously is um is one that comes up a lot as well. Um that's disappointing and he will be a loss. But so there's no quick fix solution. I thought the way they adapted, but there could easily be a penalty try. There could have easily been a yellow card or two. And at four or five of their, I think they gave away 11 penalties. And there was four or five of those penalties at scrum time. At scrum, so yeah. in the business end of the season, it will be a real concern. But it is what it is. You're always going to get that against the South Africans. I think in Europe, you will come up against uh, international front rows and um, it can cause a major problem. So it's not a quick fix solution. I'm sure it's one monster are very, very aware of, and let's see what happens there. But sometimes as young props, you need to experience this kind of adversity and these challenges. I'm sure they will get better. Roman Salano has improved a lot. Um, he's played well the last couple of weeks. He needs a run of games. Um, I think Josh Witcherly going off, he had a rib injury. Dave Kilcoyne came on, a lot of experience. But when you're up against a tight head prop who's 124 kilos and the loose head is 21 stone or 20, he's 24 stone the tight head for the lines and, and 20 stone for the, the loose head and then the power and strength, you're always going to get that with the South Africans. But it is a worry. Yeah, and, and I actually had a really good chat with somebody that we both know very well yesterday in relation to the prop situation because let's face it, I'm like only learning about the forward stuff at the moment as a coach and um, we forget that Salanoa is you know, while he's young in terms of age, but he's also really young in terms of his playing age. So he didn't start rugby till he came over to Ireland, if I'm correct. Um, so we, what we need to do is have patience with him, I think, in terms of sometimes he just does something and you're like, oh my God, like his footwork in and around that tight, his ability, like he's one of the very few monster tight or front front five players that looks for to run to space as opposed to running into bodies, I think. Um, but I think from terms of the scrummaging thing, it's actually a constant learning curve for him. I think we've got to be a little bit more patient. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And look, he's a very good player and has has great potential. Needs to stay injury free and get a run of games. But I just think to wrap on this, I think we need more depth and more physicality yeah. and size. And there's no quick fix solution there. Maybe they Munster will bring in some depth, um, whether it be tight head, loose head, or at, at hooker. Um, there needs to be a little bit more depth there, and um, I'm sure they're very, very aware of that. See how it unfolds, but um, I thought the overall performance, but the scrum was a concern, and we, we yeah, yeah, you know, we can't get um, away from that. Yeah, completely. And Dave Parks is absolutely delighted with the win. The handling in those conditions was brilliant. Coombs again was excellent and playing out of position. Patterson and Healy were very good. Haley was immense again. Hopefully, we can carry the momentum into Saturday against the Saints. John Tui thought the ball retention was outstanding considering the conditions. The player's skill set is now emerging. The be- they better understand the detail. Implementation has become second nature. We should have too much for Northampton, but can we beat Bennett on a way? That's more important. Uh, Joe Cashman, not amazing, but great to see five points on the board. Bonus point win <coughs> excuse me, on Saturday is a very realistic outcome based on the last eight weeks or so. 
Game away the Benetton is possibly most intriguing of our next six games. There's O'Sullivan, uh, a great win in terrible conditions, scrum of concern as usual, a high level of accuracy led to the tries, needs to be carried over to this weekend. Folks should be on the win and their intensity levels first, all else will flow. Simon says, hope for a W against Northampton. Great to get a bonus point win in horrendous conditions against the Lions. Got to start thinking of who will be missing during Six Nations and who will take up the mantle. Should still have a strong squad for those games. Uh, Martin Brommel, progression of how the coaching ticket can be seen. Small improvements every week. Scrum not great, but look at the size of their front, uh, especially their props. Hodnett is a monster for Munster, surely has to start. On Saturday, a home win is a must, possibly with a bonus point. Ian Moore, great win, lots of accuracy in these conditions. Still scrum worries, but the scrum and the end result from lots of attacking intent. Major progress from just a few months ago. Uh, and just a couple of more. Uh, Shea O'Connell, superb result with a drastically changed lineup, getting in some much needed game time. Our back row is absolutely stacked. Buckley looked a very good looked very good at Hooker. Hodnett was immense. Gavin Coombs has got to be a future captain. I'm still raging that Healy has been lost. And we'll get on to that after. Uh, Tom Lundergan, away conditions, but the group is still improving in intensity and spirit. Ben was solid at 10. Paddy Patterson impressed again. Still a few, but less sloppy penalties. We must win all three home games. Saints with zero points and La Rochelle after us will have one eye on their big clash at times. And uh, Billy says the URC is very interesting this year. Heineken Cup not catching the imagination due to the format. Munster should prioritise the league and next uh, game away to Benetton. And I don't know, Bruno Fernandes, routine win and good to get a bit of momentum going, except nothing less than a bonus point win this weekend to bring us closer to qualification. Any points away to lose would be a bonus, but hopefully not a requirement. And to finish this, Donna Quinlan, Mike Haley surely in contention for the Six Nations squad. Any sign as Evo for the weekend, do you think? That's an interesting one about Mike Haley. He's definitely flourishing, isn't he? His form has been superb, I think. Uh, he seems to have a lot more freedom and confidence in what he's doing. His decision-making has improved a lot. And um, he's a great athlete. I think he's full yeah. of energy, full of fitness. Um, he's physical. He's good defensively. Um, aimless kicking a lot was was part of his game and his downfall at times last year and even keeping the ball alive and passing so I think all of that stuff has improved dramatically and I think he's been very very consistent and I think he'll certainly be you know grabbing the attention of the Irish selectors I would think um, it's, it's ability for me now position. to number one he always seems to beat the first defender um and his his ball presentation is exceptional, um. But here's the conundrum in terms of the, the that that Irish squad. It's I imagine it's going to be very difficult to bolt into that right now, considering that they're where they are in terms of their evolution. And I do think when you look at you know Hugo Keenan and and Jimmy O'Brien, you know it is difficult. It's a difficult slot to get into, um and. I'd be surprised, to be fair, that I'd love it. I think he's more than deserving to get in there. He's playing so, so well. But I just think there seemed to be a very settled squad. And I think only for an injury, we probably... I can't see them having many bolters, can you? Um, no, because they have plenty of depth there. And I think um, 
But I think he he'd definitely be in the equation. I, I would I would I would think he is a good chance of being picked in a wider squad and and be part of the Six Nations group. But again, that's out of his control. But I think it's very pleasing to see him playing very consistent. He's always been very honest and fully committed. Um, mm. And I think he's improved dramatically, and he seems to be very confident in his counter-attacking. And as you say, he always beats a first defender. So lots of positives there um, for him and for Munster in the last few weeks. Um, you have a couple of more messages, emails that came into... Yeah, the, uh, so I, do you want to just chat quickly about the Lions game and then we can go on to these because they're kind of more talking points um, just in relation to, to that performance at the weekend. Or do you want to okay. jump into the emails? I don't mind. Oh, let's... let's, um, let's Let's do the emails and we'll get we'll, okay. we'll assess the positives and negatives in the match and break it down a little bit. Um, we'll not stay too long on it. I think yeah. um, you know, for Munster to score five tries and only concede a penalty, um, it'll be there'll be lots of positives there. Hundred percent, yeah. Uh, Dave Connolly emailed in, and we love getting these emails in because they're not usually about the matches, like the tweets. They're more about something that's bigger. So. He's a listener living in the US and and, and listens in uh, regularly. Um, but he was listening to our discussion about players moving between provinces last week. Perhaps it's me, but does this process actually work? The only case I can think of, and I'm sure there are others, is Henshaw moving to Leinster, which is a step up for him. I don't think Joey Carberry, Munster or Ireland benefited by him moving to Munster. Indeed, I think he may have inadvertently gotten in the way of development of Munster players, i.e. Crowley Healy, and I assume him moving there was a reason for JJ moving on. I also wonder if you risk losing the unique culture and style of each province by bringing in players from Leinster. Munster has a style that's re- reflective of Munster's rugby culture. Obviously, there are exceptions, like Byrne being an obvious one. But are we better served from an Irish rugby perspective by having teams with different cultures and playing styles that reflect their history and identity. I personally think rugby in Ireland would suffer if you effectively create mini Leinsters. Look at Ulster. They have a large contingent of Leinster and I wonder if part of their issue is identity. Should the onus not be on the provinces to identify, develop and grow talent within their province? Thanks, Donald. I actually thought, I have so many feelings on this, by the way. I thought it was a very well written email and I can totally see his point in relation to the culture and the identity of each province but I think that certain people you'll get certain people in like the Tyke Burns or the Andrew Conways or, or, or these kind of players that will totally invest and buy into what the, the province stands for I think when you do that it makes it very easy if you have something tangible that they can buy into I think it makes it's a huge difference and and I do think that other provinces can reap rewards on it I think you look at Graham Rowntree I think the reason why he is so loved by everybody within Munster is because he is totally bought into what Munster stands for because he's had a very similar experience with Leicester Tigers and I think that the uniqueness of Munster if you're coming down from another province unless you buy into what that is and understand that when you walk down the street or go into Super Value or wherever it is and the man at the till or whatever talks to you about the game and you, you buy into that, it makes it, you know, that's that's what a part of it is. And if players come down and they don't buy into that, then they'll never really fulfil their potential from it. Does that make any sense? 
Yeah, just to, just on uh, what Donald is saying there about um, would you be better served just sticking to homegrown players? Well, first of all, um, if you could, yes, uh, but that's not feasible for for the other provinces, Ulster, Connacht, and Munster, and that's just the nature of the sport. Um, Ulster or Leinster obviously have a bigger depth chart right across um, from them, the board from for, from. For, for for them to pick from and choose from with their school system and the strength of the school system and the numbers they have. Um, and that's well documented right across Europe. Lots of teams now have... Uh, Leinster, the envy of lots of teams. They have a great set of... They've effectively mini academies all over um, the province, uh, providing players, developing players, and the system is brilliant. And they've maximised that. Um, so... It's it's a very strong system that they have. There's been certain players, of course, who've who've made the change. Andrew Conway, Tyke Byrne, Felix Jones, Niall Ronan. These are guys that came down when I when when you know I played. Um, obviously, didn't play with Tyke Byrne, but the others, um, they became monster men. You know, Killian Keane, right going back back to the, the really early days of monster. Killian was a guy from Dublin, came down and. He's a monster man. He's involved in a monster board. You know, you buy into it, as you said. Not everybody does. I've, we've had lots of kind of signings over the years in my time where um, some guys feel part of monster forever. And it's the same in all sport and soccer and yeah. professional sport. You see ex-Man United guys who played for two years and Man United's their team forever. Afterwards, same with Liverpool. This happens. So not everybody buys into it. Um, but... In an ideal world, yes, you'd love to have all your homegrown players and keep that identity. Ulster have probably had, Ulster and Connacht have had more in the last number of years. It hasn't worked for uh, for all of them, essentially. But if the team does well, um, you know, people buy into that better. And, and there's a, a real knack in, in a coach trying to get togetherness and develop a team as well. So it's difficult. Um, but I know that Munster... And I'm sure Connacht and Ulster are the same. Would love to pick their homegrown players and have loads of bodies there to play, but it doesn't always work like that. Yeah, I think population size and everything with everybody living in lots of people. You know, most people are living in Dublin, and um, you know, they, and the other, and no the other kind of players. And the other thing is, Neve. You know, one of the things that I remember from 2008 when we won the Heineken Cup with Munster, we had eight guys in the forward pack who were all Munster born and bred. We were really proud of that, and it was something that we were conscious of. It wasn't it, the selection didn't come down to you know, our effect and kidneys mindset in any way, but it was afterwards to go, wow, yeah, there was eight guys there: uh, Marcus Horn, Jerry Flannery, John Hayes, Donica, Paul, Leamy, Wally, and myself. Um, and it was great. It was great to have that, but it doesn't always work that way, and. You know, you if there's young players in Leinster who are not getting a, an opportunity, um, I would have no problem with them. Obviously, you don't want to bring uh, flood the place with them, or, or the other provinces would be the same. But if there's opportunities for guys who really buy into it, um, in a perfect world, as I said, and all the listeners know this, you'd love to have. Uh, and I think Munster um, would love it as well. And the other provinces said, we'd love to have homegrown players, but it doesn't work. That sport is yeah. not like that anymore. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it comes back to developing as mo- more players you can. 
but it's a very good point, and there's it's there's a big talking, a uh, big debate in what, around what Donald is saying. Yeah, hundred percent. We also got a second email in from uh, Michael Nash, and uh, he's a bit upset. Uh, ben Healy living, or sorry, Ben Healy leaving is an absolute travesty. He's the best number ten of the club in terms of physicality, passing, and all round kicking game and defence. At only twenty three, his ceiling is huge. I would personally rather see Carberry leave as Manny, as would Manny's Munster supporters if given the choice between the two. A bitter pill to swallow, reminiscent of Donegal Ryan leaving for France. The RFU and Munster rugby have simply not done enough. Healy head and shoulders above others capped for Ireland in his position. Extremely disheartening to see homegrown ta- players leave. We are now lighting the 10 department given Jake Flannery's move to Ulster. Supporters questioning the handling of both Healy and John Ryan disappointing all around. So it it it's a difficult one, and you absolutely, completely have to understand where Ben Healy's coming from. There's definitely been conversations at a higher level than province, and irrelevant of whether we feel that he should be play capped or should you know should be in that succession squad or, or whatever it is. There's clearly been a conversation there between. Ben Healy and the Irish coaching ticket and Ben Healy and Scottish coaching ticket. And the opportunity to go and play international rugby is too big. My understanding is, is that Munster rugby came back with a very good offer and it was the lure of playing international rugby that, um, and, and you can't fault Guy for that because it's, it's, you know, Munster rugby can't guarantee Ben Healy would play for Ireland. You know, Scott Gregor Townsend basically telling if you come and play in Glasgow, you know, you'll you'll be you'll be capped internationally. It's very difficult for for him, and I think that I think he's brave, and I think it's brilliant for him. Yes, yeah, and and it's, I, it's... I hope I, I hope he does brilliant for Scotland. I really do, and it, it won't be a case of Scotland's gain as Ireland's loss. I think I think he I think he's he's he was right to go. I really do in terms of I miss him. I think he's a really good player and. I think he's done exceptionally well for Munster every time he's played. But there's a pecking order and you only have a small window of, of professional life in rugby. You only have a small window of playing international rugby and I think he's got to take it with both hands and I just wish him the best of luck. And I'm telling you now, Scotland will have the biggest supporter in me in terms of hoping if he'll go well. Yeah, let's hope he does go well. He's been, Glasgow were on team in 2020 um, trying to get him to go over there. He's now gone to Edinburgh. I think Mike Blair, the Edinburgh coach, has obviously was a great international scrum half as well. And he's turned his head. Uh, Gregor Townsend is is the one here really that's that's um, that's got this across the line. I think Ben Healy looks at um, at the opportunity of playing international rugby and and just a different challenge and probably where he's positioned in Munster at the moment. And this has been going on for a few months and this decision wasn't just made pre-Christmas or last week. This decision was made months ago and uh, it's it's come out and it's been clarified now. So, um, To be fair to him, right? Last year he signed the one-year deal and we all thought, well, you know, a one-year deal, that's, that's a bit of a strange thing to do when people are looking to... To, to you know probably get stability but it's obviously the fact that he was starting to think about that probably taking the whole season for him to to make this decision yeah it wasn't rushed it's been there in, in his mind probably for two years now and um, 
you know, Scotland have seen this opportunity. This guy, uh, Ben Healy, uh, 90% kick success rate. I think he needs to improve his game. There's there's room for improvement, and I think he will improve. And he, I think he will get to play for Scotland, and he has great potential and brilliant potential. It is what it is. I think um, Jack Crowley has emerged. Um, Jake Flannery went to Ulster. There's talks that maybe he will be coming back. Um, Tony Butler is a very good young player as well in the uh, from an out half perspective in the academy. So uh, it's disappointing, but it's understandable in a sense that um, I think losing him from an Irish point of view is is probably more disappointing in a sense that this is a guy who could potentially play at international level and he's going to represent another country. But we've, as Irish people, we've got to accept this. We take it the other way with Mac Hansons, James Lowe, with Finley Bealums, with loads of different players, CJ Stanley. Can I just say though, now they came through. Some of them came through the residency situation. Yeah, but some of them had like in terms of, of of the international. I think that that position is a, a volatile position, and I think that once Johnny Sexton retires, it's going to be it's going to go through a shaky period. And and my biggest thing was that I would prefer Ben Healy to go and win fifty caps for Scotland, where he's playing week in week out internationally, than. To, to kind of go in and get a cap or two here against Leicester opposition, and and I because I, I kind of feel like that's the way it's kind of going to go for a little while, and well, then you, they'll settle. On yeah, well, who somebody. who knows, Nave? You've got to back yourself as a player. Look at some yeah. of the Leinster players; they won't leave Leinster, and they're not essentially starters. But there's a couple of internationals and guys who are very close and could play on many other teams across Europe. So it's down to the individual as well, and their yeah. that desire, drive, and maybe their gut feeling and. Uh, it's 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 the decision is made. Unfortunately, from Munster and Ireland's point of view, he's gone now. And uh, but look, we wish him well. Um, I'm sure all Munster fans do as well. I think there's still there's a, there's a high ceiling there for him as regards performance wise. And let's hope he fulfills that. Let's move on to the match uh, quickly. Positives, negatives. Um, I'm going to say my positives. We won't get into this too much because we've we've spoken for a good bit already. The positives for me were. Um, the 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 tempo and the fitness that Munster are playing at. Something we spoke about at the start of the season: stop start, very pedestrian, looks lackluster in in their movement around the field. Obviously, they've got fitter, and the way they've been training. And John Hodden had spoke about it after the game that they're training like that. It's no secret that they're trying to put pace, tempo, play lots of mini games. Um, <coughs> In, in their game. So that's really, that was essentially what got them the result. They just kept banging away at that Lions defence and going to multi-phase time after time. Things broke down at times, um, but it was very, very positive. Graham Rountree mentioned a belief after the match. There seems to be a little spring in their step and uh, they showed that belief in Belfast. They showed the belief for what they could do the other night um, as well and scoring five tries. Lots of positives there. The attack, they're still lacking a bit of power, essentially, to break somebody down, someone with a bit of X factor to run out over someone and create something, an individual piece of brilliance. But collectively, I think the attack is is really improving. And they're a good side to watch now. Something that I was thinking about in the last few days, and I've spoken to people, Munster actually aside, even the games they lost, um, the Toulouse one, the Leinster one, 
there's parts of it, of course, against Leinster, the defence for the two tries, you could say they were very disappointed. But they're a decent side to watch now. It's not stop-start and all this kicking that we'd seen in the previous regime. They're the positives for me. The big negative is the scrum. Uh, and you're not going to get that size and power every week. We said it at the start of the podcast. Um, how we address that? Well, technically get better, learn from the experience, all that kind of stuff. But it's an area that Munster need to probably strengthen right across the board in that front row, whether it be loose head, tight head or hooker that they bring in. Hopefully they can do something there. Um, but there's lots of... Lot, and, and then I would say, you know... I can't find too many negatives there. I think it was a really good performance in poor conditions. Lines were poor now at times. Let's let's um, get that out there as well. But I think Munster, given the potential uh, for for you know what happened in Belfast the week after, I think this was a really good professional performance uh, with lots of energy. Yeah, hugely agree. I, I, and as I said, start the the program. I, I'm not sure Munster would have gotten um, a bonus point win um, against them September well, October time. Um, so that's definitely a huge positive for me that you can and and they're finishing strongly stronger. I, 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 I loved the fact that even in the conditions they tried to move the ball. That's a really good sign of where they are mentally and, and as a group in terms of their confidence. Um, and yeah, look, I thought um, that tempo and that intensity, Graham Rountree spoke about it after the match, that their training sessions are, you know, incredibly difficult in terms of trying to get them to be fast. And it's taking, it's, you know, taking time to try and get players to adjust to it. But we can see a huge amount of evolution all the time. And um, it was great. It was really good to watch and, and in, in those conditions. Their footwork is good and the stats would indicate that. Last week against Ulster, 28. Defenders beaten, 28. This week, in really poor conditions, um, 29. Defenders beaten or 29. So they, those numbers are good. It shows there's an yeah. evasion. There's a bit of a um, spring in their step and they're trying to get through uh, defenders and they're beating defenders. Yeah. I'd say Liam Coombs had about five of them on his own run as well. Yeah, and, right. and, great uh, finish for him. The offloads then, 15 offloads. I think uh, that's that's a, a good number of offloads as well. They, they had 12 last week um, against Ulster. So that would indicate more of a confidence and a belief in what they're trying to do. And we've criticised Munster for the last number of years and they've got criticism for lack of offloads, lack of evasion, um, and 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 their attack in in a sense, we will say yes. We've seen certain matches in the last number of years under Johan van Graan where, God, we were saying the attack is coming good now, and then we take a couple of steps, a step or two forward, and a couple of steps backwards. But that was um, some really positive numbers there as well. And possession, you know, dominated possession, sixty one percent, and territory as well. So they're managing. Can I, can I just talk? The, the biggest, probably just my final point on this, the biggest positive for me in relation to it is before young lads or, or players that hadn't played in a couple of weeks would come into, they would get a game here and there and they'd be off the pace or they'd struggle to, to probably get momentum because they haven't played in a while. It was great to see the likes of Liam Coombs and, and these guys, Paddy Patterson, who's not been playing week in, week out, um, 
be at the pitch of the game and it's clearly because of their, their their training sessions but also have the confidence to be able to to go and play well and I think that's huge because now they're creating a culture of strength and depth and they're creating a culture of competitiveness within the squad and and you know the biggest takeaway for me was listening to Graham Rountree after the week talk about how they pick the squad as late as they can during the week they pick on form they don't promise guys game time they don't you know guys irrelevant to whether they're internationals or just come into the senior setup for the first time everybody's on an even par and and that's that that's what you're trying to drive that culture that that competitiveness so that training then is really good for the week so um because we you know we'd heard stories in the last regime where there's we told oh look you'll be playing this game in january and this game in march and and that kind of thing and you're just hanging on for those 80 minutes and so i just think that that's a really really good way to to probably drive standards and um and if you're training well you know you're going to be rewarded yeah that's uh, and scott buckley as well did really well when he came on yeah. just on player performances quickly we've got a we've got to move on with this but the start of the week um this week um I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to throw it back into your corner. Who's your star of the week? Uh, well, John Hodness, I thought, was incredible. Like There was obviously really good players in terms of Paddy Patterson we spoke about there. Mike Healy, again, he's just been so well. Gavin Coombs. But I just thought um, John Hodness, being out in those edge channels is just so good for him because he is incredible when he gets going. He's so powerful. We didn't really see that huge amount previously, like before this year. I don't think we knew he had it in him. Um, but he's and he's so good over the ball, like so so good. Yeah, he's fantastic, and it was an outstanding performance for him. So John Hodnett is the star of the week and deserves it. Just another mention. I'm going to mention Malachi Fekatoa. I thought there was glimpses of yeah. what he can do. He was very physical, made a lot of hard carries against you know when there was a lot of numbers and defenders right in front of him. Um, so it was great to see him producing a performance of lots of involvements as well. John Klein, the, it never stops working. It's phenomenal. Um, but right across the board, I think it was a positive week uh, without getting too carried away. The challenge this week, Neve, is Northampton. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Northampton, what kind of team they're going to send. So we're we're kind of speculating. They played two, lost two um, against La Rochelle and, and Munster over there. Munster won 17-6 in the in the, the game in December there. Probably uh, had to defend most of the second half and didn't manage the game uh, great in that in that second half over in Franklin's Gardens, but won 17-6, which is really positive. Their league form has been patchy again as well. Um, Northampton, they've played 12, won five, lost seven. They lost last week to Exeter, 35-12, were well beaten. So... Uh, you should be winning this one and possibly looking for a bonus point win. We're sixth in the pool uh, in in um, in the pool pool B. Uh, Munster are sixth. Um, if they got five points, they'd go up to eleven. Potentially, could be qualified by getting a bonus point win here. It doesn't work that way, does it? You know this from a coach. Um, no, definitely not. And this is something, again, for Munster, a real challenge for him, probably mentally, to try and get that performance and find that that spark that gets him a positive result. Yeah, hugely. I think being Thomas Park is, is massive for them, but they'll be very aware about the, that game at Franklin's Gardens. I remember... 
thinking after the game that it was an incredible defensive display by Munster at time and that um, probably didn't get to show what they, they've been doing in attack. I feel like they're evolving and they've evolved since that game again on both sides of the ball. I think their line speed is really good. I think their work with the breakdown is super in terms of their defensive breakdown. Um, and I think that players are on form and they're confident. So I think that, you know, it'll pose a different threat to, to Northampton. And you're right, they've been so up and down. I watched them the weekend against Exeter and they were woeful. But the previous week, they absolutely hammered Harlequins. So, like, I'd imagine they're very frustrated over in Northampton as well about how inconsistent they are. Um, they've got to worry about the Premiership as well and, and where they're going in there. So, it's hard to know what kind of squad they'll send over. I hope that they send over um, a good squad because I think the competition deserves it. But also, I think Munster deserve it to go out and, and go hammer and tongs against a good English side that um, is going to put them under pressure to see where they are. And um, But a win is necessary, a bonus point. Look, that's icing on the cake, but I just don't think you can talk about that yet. Yeah, look, it's they can't talk about it. We probably just mentioned the reality that it's something that's there and you have to, can't be afraid of that. But obviously they've got to get a performance. It was very physical the last day. There was a bit of niggle in the game. Um, but it's imperative monster start this game well and impose themselves and and kind of build in that confidence that they have at the moment. But they've got to be mindful of whatever side Northampton sends. If you're not mentally prepared, um, you can get caught out here. So... It's a it's a must win game and a really important game for Munster because obviously they've got to lose the week after. Um, their position in the league in the URC table is is better. They're up to seventh on thirty two points. Um, I think it was fifty. Let me see, fifty two points that made it last year. Uh, fifty points. Glasgow finished eighth on fifty points. So Munster need. 18, 20 points in the last six games, I think, which is attainable. They're away to Benetton in a couple of weeks and one of the tweeters said that's that's nearly more important than Europe. Very relevant point. And then they've got Ospreys, uh, Glasgow and Scarlets at home in the next three games before they go to South Africa. So um, they've done well in the last few weeks and we've got to give them credit for that. So it's been uh, more than glass half full. I know you're always saying to me about glass, that I'm uh, glass half empty. <laughs> It's been more than glass half full. And I think they're getting the best out of the resources they have at the moment. And credit to them for that. Credit to Graham Roundtree and his coaching staff and the players for what they're doing at the moment. Um, they're building and getting better. And they need, you know, obviously need more quality and depth. And need the current players to learn and improve. So, you, you know, going out signing players isn't going to solve everything. The current players need to improve those young guys and get better and better. And hopefully that's what will happen and that they may have a say come the business end of the season. Um, good news, RG Snyman is back running. That's positive, um, which, you know, dare I say it, all Monster fans Bless him. would love yeah. to see him back in a month. I think for him as well, it must have been, it must be just the most torturous journey. But uh, I watched, he put out a reel the other day for all the young kids on Instagram. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's running and moving and it'd be great for him. I think just for him personally, he needs a little bit of luck and so do Munster as well. Um, Dermot Barn uh, potentially on the injured list as well and Josh Witcherly, which is a bit of a blow for them and makes it difficult in the next few weeks. Um, 
to add to the already long injury list. The Mal- Malcolm Marks speculation, we're not going to go there because that's already speculation. It yeah, I, I can't it, see that happening. Yeah. yeah, if it did happen, yeah, it'd be great. But um, who knows what will happen? And I'm sure there'll be certainly Munster looking at players for next season because uh, we won't hear about it for a little bit. But who knows? But anyway, that's it for episode 53 of the the Red 78. To make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week, just search the Red 78 wherever you get your podcast and press subscribe. Don't forget uh, to get in touch with either Neve and myself. You can send us a tweet to our own personal Twitter accounts or you can send an email to the rugby channel at bowermedia.ie or else leave a comment on YouTube. So that's it. Good luck this week, Neve, against the strong Leinster side in Cork and um, We'll talk to you next week. Can't wait. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot.